Being an expert sucks. As a teacher of spiritual intelligence and emotional health, I get cornered into being the guy who has all the answers. I'd like to take this opportunity to make a confession. I don't. What I do have are convictions. I have theories. I have questions. I find myself looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. Stop setting up your tent. We can't stay here. Through my journey, it's become evident that being a participant is no longer enough. It's time to become reformers. These are my confessions. To get deeper in this conversation, visit MikeMayashiro.com. Okay, so this is an experiment. You guys, I wanted to have this conversation with Tara and I just wanted to record it because I don't know what's going to come out of this. Neither one of us knows where this is going to go or how it's going to end up. Tara just DM'd me on Instagram after I came out as a gay man. In true Tara fashion, just started sharing her thoughts and feelings just in real time. And so we got to dialogue in that space and she was just sharing a lot of like fear and concern around just the the subject or the conversation. I was like, let's talk. And I thought this could be a really cool opportunity to just capture this Again, like this is not scripted. Neither one of us has talking points or like we've not discussed what we're going to talk about. It's more just Tara's a friend of mine. We've known each other for years now. This is throwing her for a loop. And she's like, oh God, does that mean our relationship is over? Because right now, as it stands, Tara is not affirming of gay people, right? And she's like, even me saying that, she's like, what does that even mean, right? So we just have a lot of conversation to have. And I wanted to capture this for the sake of providing opportunity for people to witness these dialogues that are going on in real time, especially for people who don't have the opportunity to or are afraid to engage in this conversation. So first of all, Tara, I want to just take a moment to celebrate you and acknowledge the courage it takes to even be willing to step into this, especially given the, the pain you've experienced in this conversation in the past. So thank you for reaching out to me and even wanting to talk. I way prefer that over, you know, friends of mine who've said nothing. And that's, that's way more painful. Like Martin Luther King Jr. is known for many quotes, but one of his was like, it wasn't the, the hate and anger from the mobs. It was the silence from his friends that was like the most painful in his process. Yeah. Thank you for not choosing silence, Tara. I appreciate that. So I just wanted to open up. The- not a choice. <laughs> not a choice for me. Right. Okay. So Tara, before we get into any of this, why don't you just like briefly, can you just introduce yourself, who you are, your context? My name is Tara. I lived in California. We moved there in 2010. I actually was first introduced to Mike before we ever arrived in Reading. Mike was already there. He had already done first year at that point or was finishing first year. One of my friends actually was Mike's roommate. Mike ended up having a dream one night about us that he had never met. So our friends that we had in common called me and said, hey, my roommate had a dream about you guys. Mike felt like um, God was just like, hey, he just really wants you to trust him with your finances and all of that as you move in transition. We ended up moving all of our stuff in June, got my job in July, and then we transitioned into California in August. You knew I was pregnant before my husband did because we were working a leaders conference that day. So I felt like a lot of, along the way, a lot of um, intimate things. And I'm like, wow, we've really shared a lot in life. Mike and I did one-on-one coaching. And Mike was also the first one to really ever put solid language on a lot of things I experienced in my whole life with the gift of discernment and those sort of things. Tara, you're crying. What are you, what are you crying about, Tara? What are you feeling? It feels overwhelming because like I told you in your, my message, I'm like, I don't know if I trust you now. Like, I don't know what that looks like. Like it felt like the very thing that you teach on is the very thing you're experiencing that I'm like, I don't know how those line up. I don't know how those go hand in hand. Cause in my head, I'm like, Mike, I think you're listening to the wrong spirit. Also, just for the record, Tara has this uncanny ability to say what she's thinking or feeling without a ton of like filter or like processing and pasteurizing. She just is able to communicate that upfront, which has I think been a big struggle in her life has gotten her in a lot of trouble, but I personally find it to be a gift and unique and powerful. And it can obviously be destructive and harmful, whatever, but Tara has such a, kind and generous and sincere heart that like I just have such an appreciation for the raw thoughts and experiences and feelings that she has I want Tara and I both to have permission to get to feel and express whatever is going on and to be human here there's not like a polished message that's gonna that's trying to be communicated it's this is just two people having a very honest, real conversation about something that's been difficult to navigate traditionally. So Tara, one thing I do want to acknowledge is I've heard a few people mention this similar sentiment. I don't know if I can trust you. I feel betrayed. I don't like that kind of language, right? Like how this has been like your whole life and I didn't know at all. So first of all, I just want to acknowledge, like, I understand that. I get that. If I were in your position, I'd probably feel the same way. I think it's valid to feel that way. I understand that. Speaking on behalf of gay people in this context, I don't know that gay people owe an explanation to everyone else about their sexuality. And, Absolutely. Right. And I know you know that. I just want to say that for yeah. that. But that doesn't erase or remove the pain of finding out if they do come out 
you've been like this and experienced this all this time. And I had no idea, right? Like I imagine that would be very confusing and painful. So I get that it merely became a practical issue. Do I have the energy, the emotional bandwidth, the time to sure. continue to hunt all these people down one, you know, one at a time and all that. I knew there were going to be spaces like this where people were like you, Tara, we're going to have this experience. And like, I'm like, that sucks. But the alternative is me burning out and never actually pulling this off. That was a, a judgment call I had to make practically. I don't love that, but there was just too many people for me as a human being to hunt down. Sure. We both get to like have our experience on that and reconcile that. Thank you for expressing that and sharing it. So then there's the question of like, I teach on discerning of spirits, paying attention to the source of a thing and then the nature of it and the spirit, right? Like that, I'm that guy. And so for people in your position or context, for me to be that guy and then saying that I'm, gay and that God wants me to be gay is like, whoa, this flies in the face of everything I've ever been taught regarding the Bible, regarding God, regarding like Christianity, right? And so now the guy who was teaching on how to separate spiritual sources is now feeding from the dark side is probably like how that's being perceived. Can be the perception. Yeah. People also need to realize that you and I are having this conversation and able to have this conversation because of our history, not because, oh, I've just been randomly following you on Instagram. Like there is a different level of relationship there and exchange that's happened. I definitely um, don't want people to feel like they owe everyone an explanation because you, you don't. It's more so that it's like, okay, how do we reconcile those two worlds? It's like, how do those two worlds meet when I'm like, I don't know what you're listening to right now, bro. I don't know what's going on because like you said, it seems contrary to what majority of the Christian church believes. I don't know what the difference in affirming is versus like, I love you and I don't care what you believe. And I'm fine if we believe differently. Like I still care about you because of who you are with you being in the position of like mentoring, teaching me spiritually, learning from you. That's more where some of that struggle has been of like, whoa, do I need to protect myself from where are you hearing things from when I said like Tara someone in your position who's not affirming and Tara was like I don't even know what that means so I just want to clarify a vernacular here the term affirming in this conversation for the most part when it comes to it, specifically in the gay Christian conversation mm -hmm. to be affirming uh, that's true in the larger picture too to be affirming the LGBTQ plus community at large mm -hmm. means you celebrate and embrace who they are as a queer person. You're not tolerating that as a discrepancy or difference between you. You're actually like fully removed. You are you have gotten to a place where you've removed the barrier between you and their difference from you. And their difference from you and their sexuality is not a negative thing. It's not a hang up or a disadvantage or a broken piece of them. It's something beautiful that's unique and expressive of their nature. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually beautiful. It's right. It's good. That would be the definition of affirming. And now based on what I just described as affirming, most of the people, even people who are friends of mine who consider themselves yeah. supportive of me are not affirming. Non-affirming means yeah. you might straight up be the person grabbing the Bible and whacking gay people over the head and saying, you're an abomination. You need to change and repent. You're, there's a demon in you all the way to the, hey, I never want to hit you with the Bible. I don't want to use verses to justify anything. I just fundamentally don't believe this is God's highest and best for you and that you're, I don't believe you're supposed to be this way. That's still on the, in the non-affirming camp. The Bible thumper and that person are in the same group in this conversation. In that context, you're going to be on that side of the conversation, right, Tara? I would say yes as of now. Yeah, which, and you're, we're all on a journey. And so it's not because I think you're broken or dysfunctional or whatever. Like, I'm just not sure where and why and me being able to solidly bring like, this is why I think this. The theology side, so the Bible, like the verses, my catch-all at this point in my process of coming out is, hey, I've got a, a series that I'm gonna release on Numa Plus called Rainbow Road. And it's gonna, I'm gonna pull apart all the research that I've done synthesizing a bunch of different voices who have influenced what I'm aware of and the work that's been done in the last <laughs> 10 years alone on this subject. I'm going to address that in more detail there. So I, I'm not planning on spending yeah. a ton of time here getting after the theology, but knowing that's obviously a major tenet for both of us in this conversation in where we're standing, right? Yeah. That, that does need to be addressed for sure. I mean, you can't be an upstanding, responsible Christian and not actually face that work. That has sure. to be done. I saw someone comment on your Facebook or Instagram. Why do you have to be gay, Mike? Why can't you just be Mike? I understand what they're maybe trying to say, but I don't want me to be like, oh, Mike, yeah, my gay friend. Or just like, oh yeah, Tara, my straight friend. I feel like there's this weird interchange that happens with the LBGTQ community that... 
um, their sexuality becomes their only identity. There's part of that that I, I see is really dysfunctional in that community. Like as my friends have gotten older and some of them are getting divorced and starting to date. And I'm still like, it's really not okay that you're just like sleeping around with everybody. There's still morals and, and standards of things that I believe that even as a gay man that I would hope or assume that I'm like, that you would still hold like a morality of like, I'm going to value myself enough that I'm not going to go do X, Y, and Z. Not just for you, but for people in general. How do those two meet? Does that sound disrespectful to you for me to be like, I can know that you're gay, but I don't think it's necessary for people to like classify. It's just like people do with the black community. Oh, my friend LaShawn, she's black. And it's like, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Like if they're people you value, can't they just be who they are versus having these other things attached to them to describe them? Oh God, Tara, I love that we're having this conversation. So the first one, the comment you read, Mike, yeah. why, can't you, why can't you just be Mike? Or why do you have to be gay? Why can't you just be Mike, right? I'm not a person of color, so I can't speak from that experience, but I think I can empathize to the degree that I've worked through these things, like mm -hmm. why this matters. So sure. to say like, oh, my black friend or my gay friend, I don't know that either one of us would appreciate that. It's not a tokenized filter that we, our identity gets put on, like through and that it's used as a distinction to separate mm -hmm. us from the norm, right? To say my friend, the baseline means that we're assuming that person's white. And like, that's actually, the thing that is the problem is that there's a white centered narrative on what it means to be human, whether we mean for that to be the case or not, is like, that's inappropriate because, yeah. right? So that's the reason in that context when you're saying, oh, my gay friend or my black friend, it's like, uh, straight, white, cisgender. I know those are politically charged terms. I'm not using them in that way, although that matters. The point though of addressing that aspect is when you say my gay friend, that qualifier is dehumanizing. It separates me from the normal and makes me an exception. Whether you mean that as a celebratory thing, like you're bragging or as a, you know, apologetic mm. thing or yeah. whatever the reason is, either way, it doesn't matter. That's not reflective of the value that I should be holding in that context of who I'm referencing, right? But yeah. that being said, I came out with like rainbow confetti, right? And I'm like, I'm gay and had this whole thing. Why did I do that? Why can't I just be Mike? Here's the thing. The reason that that feels important to me, and I'm not speaking on behalf of every gay person. There are lots of reasons for people, you know, I'm one gay man in this whole conversation, but I'm going to say this on my behalf. The reason I chose to celebrate this, I had several people in my life, close friends, mentors, whatever, old dear friends, people who have been like voices of counsel and reason in my life for years now. Many of them have been like, do you need to go public with this? Do you need to announce this? Right. I was advised by most of them not to do it, which is why it took me so long. I was genuinely wrestling through their opinions and their reasons. And two of them had valid points that really like felt like I could align with. So I was like, ah, oh, okay. So I'll delay. Cause I wanted to have a coming out party a couple, like way a while ago. So the reason I delayed was because these people didn't want me to do it. They're like, why do you need to do this? And so through that process and getting to work this out myself, I finally discovered and understood for myself why I wanted to do this. As a gay man, being conscious of that since I was 10 years old, right? And going through the journey I've been through, specifically in the church and being harmed by bad theology and things that have been taught from the pulpit about gay people that have like caused trauma in my life. I'm not trying to say it to be dramatic. It's the appropriate word. And I'm still working through the trauma of that. I know I don't like come across as like this, like, you know, frail whimpering person, cause I'm not that, but there is absolutely still trauma in my body that I'm still processing from my experience in the evangelical church. Yeah. Um, so that being said, having spent so long, spending so much energy and effort hiding who you are, trying to alter your mannerisms and your behavior and the way you speak and the things you're attracted to and the things that you enjoy and alter them to continuously try and blend into what everyone else yeah. seems to think you should want and express and whatever is a lot of work. And there's an erasing dynamic to that experience that you end up doing to yourself. That is so awful. It's awful for someone to do that to themselves. And no one made me do that, right? I chose that. So at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the choice I made. But I was doing that in an environment, in a context that pressured and like emphasized that as the appropriate response. For the person to comment and say, why do you have to be gay? Why can't you just be Mike? Is to deny the journey I went on to overcome and recover from all of that really bad treatment and bad ideology and harm I did to myself. Mm -hmm. Why do you have to be gay? So dismissive. Like what an erasing yeah. comment of my life, of my experience, of my story. I am celebrating the fact that I'm gay because I understand you don't believe this or people don't believe this, 
because I am finally in a place in my life where I'm recognizing that God wants me this way. He'd been saying that to me for a long time. I didn't want to accept it. I couldn't. And my environment continued to perpetuate a resistance to that idea. And through this process of deep discerning with the Holy Spirit and through scripture and in just like incarnating this theology, having to repent for the reasons I was clinging to the heteronormative narrative that I was trying to fit into. There was a bunch of other things motivating me. It wasn't love. It wasn't care for Mike. It wasn't love for my neighbor. It was fear. It was ego. It was, you know, survival. Those weren't great places to be making choices from. I mean, I needed to, right? Because of my environment. I had to repent for that stuff. I'm coming out as a gay man to celebrate. I'm embracing who I am and I'm not hiding this anymore. And I'm coming out of that land of death and silence and being something other than who I actually was. Like what a nightmare that I submitted myself to for so long, just as myself. And then I'm thinking about all the other little kids, even right now, who are that person right now in that system that I survived. I can't morally just leave them there, right? So the second reason that I have to be gay and Mike is because there are other little me's out there who are being told that they're wrong and that we're they're trying to be erased and silenced and ignored and overlooked and reduced. And I'm stepping up and saying, that's actually not okay to do that to these people on an ethical level. That is harmful and abusive and negligent to continue to perpetuate this message that is producing such intense negative fruit in these people's lives. I have yet to go to a drag show. I've not been to one yet. And I know people have their opinions about that. I can't wait to go to a drag show. There's a pink dress that I posted on Facebook that I was like, I need that. And I think, I think people in that community would be like, I need that really great yeah and the reason for that though is like i don't personally feel the pull to want to get up and drag like i don't that's not something i'm like fantasizing about or wanting Mm -hmm. but there is something about drag culture and the whole like demonstration of drag that to me through this process i've gotten to repent for the homophobia and the stigma that i've always been indoctrinated to like attach to drag queens and the perversion and the God, just the dehumanizing, intense prejudice against that whole scene. I'm coming to a place where I I think, I mean, I'm at a place now where I'm like celebrating what happens, what's happening here. These people are taking the harm of the closeted experience and then flipping it inside out and demonstrating an aspect of the gospel where the thing that was choking their life out has now become the platform that they're actually celebrating their authentic voice and their vulnerability and their willingness to step into the light and be what they are and then they're like glitzing and glamming it up and exponentially increasing it for the sake of dramatic effect but to make a statement that you don't get to silence people's experience you don't get to erase who they are you don't get to tell them what their story is right and i love that that is the gospel so am i endorsing everything that goes on there i don't know i don't even know what all goes on there so i'm not saying everything about drag culture is awesome but what it the heart of what this what motivates these people to stand up and and make this display i love it i think that's so kingdom as ironic or contradictory as that might sound to other people people who aren't gay who haven't been closeted in silence and erased their whole life don't know what that's like and so it's going to be difficult to appreciate what these people are advocating for and representing in the spirit that it's of because you have no connection to their pain. You've not been in that position. Not you, Tara. I mean, like people, right? Like right. It's just so removed from your scope. So your ability to empathize is going to be stunted until you actually educate yourself and become informed, not just on information, but also proximity to these human beings' lives and their experiences and their stories. Yeah. So that's why I can't just be Mike. I tried just being Mike for so long. And the reason I did that was because I was afraid not because I was being honest, not because I was being vulnerable and expressing the life that was coming out of me. So I am repenting for the hypocrisy and the cowardice that I demonstrated for so long because I deserve better than that. And then so does everyone else. And you feel betrayed by me because I hid from you for so long. The closet is me lying to you, right? I did that. I did that to survive. I'm not judging myself for it. I had to do that in order to survive the environment and the world that I was brought up in. I'm not proud of it. I don't, I'm not glad it happened. I'm glad I'm still alive. I'm glad I'm still here, right? So that's to answer that first piece. Do you want to respond to any of that before I move on to the other thing? Well, that's probably going to like lead down a whole nother, I know. Yeah, you're probably right. That's okay. What, let's, I mean, let's you, you brought up drag culture. <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen, I'm not and, an expert. Again, like so removed from it, but just that, go ahead. Just a, this is something I find interesting is, so we celebrate this over-exaggeration in drag world, but yet if I go wear that pink dress on Facebook and I go somewhere, people are going to be like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Don't you think that's a little extreme? 
don't you think that's a little much? And so it's interesting to me from a, from a feminine perspective, how culture as a whole, maybe not as a whole, our tendency to celebrate this over-exaggeration of femininity in drag culture, but yet we demonize it almost in like heterosexual culture, culture, like how dare you like why do you need to dress up every day and do that why and I'm like I'm, I'm interested as to why we do that I don't think that's something we're going to solve here but it's just an observation I feel like we do the thing with men in general like culture as a whole I feel like is so demeaning of men and who they are and fathers across the board but yet then there's this huge celebration of gay men being fathers and I'm like why can't we just like celebrate men as men regardless of where this is landing like it's it's these two weird extremes that I'm like, why? Oh, can I, I want to just, okay. on that specific thought, huh. putting straight men and gay men on the same platform and saying they're men, why can't we just celebrate them as being men? To me as a gay man is the same space huh. that that comment is coming from of why can't you just be Mike? I'm like, oh, again, that's erasing the fact that these gay men have gone through a lot of, I'm gonna use an expletive to drive a point home. These gay men have gone through a lot of shit to get where they are. They are not the same as these straight men in terms of their experience, their story. I'm not talking about value or like equality. Yeah. I'm talking about their experience and the pain they've had to go through from living in a culture that is aggressively stigmatizing them, demonizing them, silencing them, sidelining them, marginalizing them, right? That has been the perpetual experience of gay people in our culture for as long as we know. And it's still a okay. thing, right? That's not the same as straight men. These guys are at the top of the heap. These guys are calling the shots. They're running the show. Tara, do you disagree with that? Let's, let's I, go there. I, I do disagree with that. Um, Tell me about that. So I know I'm like, I'm going to get a lot of shit. Um, because again, like I thought I would finish nursing school, move overseas, marry a foreigner, never dreamed of marrying an American blonde-headed blue-eyed man. And he's amazing. And we've been married 15 years. But it's like, it's interesting what I've seen on this side of the aisle, I know that people are mean as shit, but it's across the board. I feel like too, again, I think there's things that you're, I think as a, as a gay man, you're far more attuned to what's going on in that culture. But like my husband's also been told like, actually your opinion doesn't matter. Like to his face multiple times over the last several years, like you actually don't get to have an opinion in this conversation. And I'm like, that's weird. As someone that I'm like, I actually want people from all different backgrounds, from all different places. When we talk about the word privilege, when I say that word, what, is, what does the word privilege mean to you? Maybe privilege. Like if I tell my kids you have the privilege of being able to do something, the ability to do, maybe the, it could be who mom and dad know. It could be finances, the ability to pay for something. It could be freedom and ability to get there. If something is a privilege or the ability to happen, one of those things comes into play at some point. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm gonna pull up the definition of privilege because I think that when I've looked at it, I was like, oh, that's different than what I would have described or defined it as based on how okay. I use it in conversation. So the definition of privilege, just as a word, is it's a special right, advantage, or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. That applies in all kinds of contexts. If you are a Disney Vacation Club member, you have the privilege of renting these rooms. A special right, advantage, or immunity granted or only available to a particular person or group. As a gay person in this culture, as a straight person in this culture, you have more privilege than I do in the, the gay conversation because being straight is the normal, is the acceptable, is the praiseworthy and upstanding Christian status. And when the, when the conversation of privilege comes up in this context, Tara, the people who are addressing, who are learning and waking up to these dynamics would look at this context and say, Tara, your role in this conversation is not to be silent, is not to be less than or inferior, but because you're coming from a place of privilege, you are coming from the bastion of support and protection and you are empowered and privileged, right? You've got rights and protections and immunities that are automatically established in the normal of society today that I don't have as a gay person. The difference is my sexual orientation and now I'm not as valuable as you. I'm not as protected. I don't have as much opportunity, right? And forget law, let's just even look at culture. So if we go into church and they find out you're married to a man and you have three kids, you have three kids, right? Two, dang, whoa. Yep, sorry. You have two. 
You just break that off right I just, now. <laughs> I just created a whole third child for you. You're a straight woman who's married to a man with two kids. I'm a gay guy. They are not going to treat us the same. Unfortunately, knowing people, I'm like, yeah, I can totally see in, in a lot of places. I know that there's people that are assholes. I get it. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm going to shut up and let you talk to me. I'm privileged in my ways, right? Like as a man, I've got privileges that you don't have, right? Like, so these, and it's not to like. I don't, I don't think that, honestly. <laughs> I know. I'm a bad feminist, y'all. Bad. Yeah, no, like, I want to try. Can you go I to wanna... the men's bathroom? I mean, like, um, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Let me, I, I do want to try. This is exactly where I'm in this conversation. I want to try and figure out how to explain this how to bridge the gap between where I'm coming from and where you are. I don't feel like I've ever been treated that way though. There is a church down the street that they're like men's Bible study. And I'm like, oh God, like, and they don't do women's Bible study. It's only men's Bible study. And I'm like, that's awkward. That sucks for them. I just don't participate in that party just because something negative happens to me in an environment like at work or something like that. Like I would never go like, oh, it's cause I'm a woman. Like I just don't, I mean, my brain just doesn't. I've had other friends that they're like, well, it's because I'm a woman that they won't let me do this. And I'm like, I mean, they told me no too, but I don't feel like that. Sorry. Let's just, let's talk church world for a second. Okay. As a man, now that I'm out and gay, like this changes the landscape, but let's say it's three weeks ago. I wasn't out as gay. Okay. And the places that invite me to speak, because I'm in the charismatic stream, you're likely going to have the same opportunity. But if I were to go to a, another type of denomination that believes that women like are this? not allowed. <laughs> other denominations that believe that women are not allowed to have authority over a man or to preach or what you can't be a pastor you're not allowed that title we aren't treated the same i have privileges you don't and you can't change anything about why i get that and you don't it's because you're a woman it's because of what you are are you does okay. that not register i'm just like those aren't the people i'd hang out with i can choose to treat the cute dog different than i'm than the yes but Tara, i'm just not offended by that maybe okay, i should but, say like i wouldn't run in that circle so i'm like whatever that's their problem like, what about the little girls growing up in that indoctrinated system that are teaching them that they're second class? You don't care about those girls, right? And I'm not saying you don't care. I don't mean, I'm not trying to demonize uh, you. I'm just saying, like, you don't have to care about them because it's not your life. But as a gay person who just went through what I did, it's hard to consider that environment and think about the little girls who will be negatively impacted by that and not care. I'm like, that's not- That makes more sense. But, what? and it could be because I value, oh, I value freedom and them knowing that they're powerful and they're amazing. So I'd be like, I'd probably be like, y'all need a church camp leader? <laughs> I don't know. But so um, Tara, in that example, as we're acknowledging that very real harm that will be done to those girls growing up in that, because Tara, this might not be your experience and I'd be shocked yeah. if that's actually true if we like spend enough time exploring your experience in the church. I bet there are things that were put on you as a woman that I never had to deal with that are not appropriate. And it's straight up the privilege conversation. I was privileged being a man in that patriarchal environment where I got benefits and like assumptions that you didn't get. I got advantages and opportunities that you didn't get because of the religious structure we were in that okay. maybe you didn't notice, maybe you weren't aware of, maybe you didn't care about, or maybe you made some decisions early on so that you just got to sideline all that pain. I don't know, but I know a lot of women who aren't you who went through those experiences and mm -hmm. they absolutely were treated terribly, were mm -hmm. sidelined and silenced and shamed and whatever, because they were a woman. And there were other details that went on, but because they were a woman, it was handled differently. Interesting. Like, that, that's going on whether you've experienced it or not, right? And so to acknowledge beyond your own personal perspective, what's going on in the world that we do live in and what is happening to real people right now, yeah. for that to happen to a woman because she's a woman is unjust and therefore unbiblical. It is not in the heart of the Lord for this to be taking place, especially for people who say they represent God to be the ones advocating for this. That's injustice and must be undone. It is our moral, okay, this is Mike's opinion. It is our moral obligation to address this, okay. address this injustice because women should be just as protected and valued and championed as men. Absolutely. But, that. I'm so sorry. I'm like, you're super irritated with me right now. I'm not irritated. I'm like, mostly like, okay, how do I, when it comes to being a gay man, I, I mean, you can look at the comments on my social media page and you can look at the comments on yours. You're not being treated this way, right? It's not the same. Or is it the same? I'm not posting the same. I'm not posting the same things. If, like, you if you posted a picture of you kissing your husband and I posted a picture of me kissing some guy, we would mm -hmm. not get the same comments. Do you think that that would be different? You having come from a different environment, your environment has been a mainly a church culture environment. I'm not saying that's okay. 
I'm, that's exactly okay. what I'm saying. Is it doesn't okay. matter okay. where we're coming from. That should not, that's evidence of privilege, I guess is my point. Okay, because I'm like, you would completely have other people celebrating you and you would completely have people that love you. Yeah, but Tara- and Maybe that's what's hard is I'm just not seeing myself like I am the church. Let's come at it from, from a different angle. Jesus consistently addresses the religious leaders, particularly in the gospels, for the hypocrisy, for their arrogance, right? For them using their seat of privilege as religious influential authority figures to lord that authority over people, to block people out from getting the access to the life and information that they needed to okay. live for. He rebukes them repeatedly for this stuff. He continues to harp on, we got to care for the poor and the needy, like the people who are downtrodden, the people who are brokenhearted, the people who are in bondage. We must care for these people, right? That's a repeated theme in the gospels. Yes? Yes. That is not a repeated theme in the evangelical church. That's not a focus that we have in church spaces. I'm not trying to be negative and critical there. I'm just mm -hmm. critiquing. That's not our focus. We want the next, if you talk about encounters, or like, sorry, uh, charismatic spaces, we want the next encounter. We want mm -hmm. the next miracle. We want the next gift, whatever. We're not looking after the people that Jesus was pointing toward and saying, hey, these people are the priority. We're not doing that. They are underprivileged. We don't know why they're in the situation or state that they're in. And some of us on the privileged side want to like justify our indifference toward them by making this their fault. We want to blame the victim for why they're in the situation they're in. Well, it's because you did these things because you didn't do these things. I, you know, and we try to like be on the same, like you just didn't do what I, you made different choices than I did. I'm like, ah. Oh. At this point in this process, I'm like, that's a very, like people would say that's an ignorant claim. I would say that's very insens insensitive. And it's not just to give them this like immunity of just like, we don't know what they went through. So therefore we can't sure. critique the situation. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these people potentially are in the position they're in because they haven't had the same opportunity that you had or that I had, whether it's like because of the financial situation they're in or the access to education or because of the different components of their presentation in our society sure. that has benefited. And so we recognize that there's a discrepancy in how people are treated. There are people who are poor and they're poor because of reasons that were outside of their control. And you and I aren't poor and we're not poor because of reasons that were outside of our control. I grew up in the extremes. My dad had a crap ton of money growing up and I had any and everything I ever wanted there. With my mom, I lived in 22 different houses by the time I was 19 years old. Not because things were so wonderful financially. This did not affect this. I had to make a choice to like, well, I guess I should probably go do X, Y, or Z. Like, I'm not, I know. Let me say this. Let me say this. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to cut. I'm not angry, but I'm going to say this. This might hurt. I'm going to try not to hurt anybody, but I just want to try and like cut through something here. Maybe, maybe. Turret. On the privileged side of the conversation, I'm not saying there isn't difficulty. I'm not saying people on the privileged side of the world didn't have struggles to have to overcome, didn't face things that were unfair. I'm not saying that's not, that that didn't happen for sure. I've had struggles I've had overcome and I'm a very privileged person, right? So I'm not denying that there's struggle on the privileged side of the conversation. It's not the point. That's what we hear a lot of the time because, because you're a nurse and you can whatever and you, and I'm like, I've worked my ass off for that too, because sure. I didn't have mom. Mom and dad did not pay a dime of my college or my car or anything of mine ever. And so it feels like, so that I think that's hard for me to reconcile. And it's not that I think that I'm better than that person. It's just, I'm like, I also knew that I had a choice to make because I saw two different extremes of worlds and like lived in between them. And I would also propose you were potentially blind to the privileges that were always available to you in the midst of your struggle. Maybe. Like you could, didn't recognize them because you didn't know any different. Versus someone else going through the same struggle you went through, but without the privileges you had, their options are different than yours were. Hmm. And so they didn't, they literally didn't have the same choices that you had. So you guys made different choices, sure, and that produced different outcomes, but the options on the menus you were looking at were different. And so they didn't, what? But why? <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, like. Are you you like, you're going to cut all this out. Turret. No, I mean, this is honest. This is like, I'm, is. you don't have to the thing is you don't have to know you don't need to know why and right now you don't know and that's because you just it's not been a priority for you to understand that right and there are lots of variables and dynamics that go into why people's socioeconomic status turns out the way that it does right and i'm not trying to put a blanket statement over all these things it's not as simple as that but i think it's unfair to just sweepingly remove the uh, the recognition that there are people who are struggling in this world but the options they have to face and overcome them in the different aspects of what makes up a person in our society today, your gender, your sexual orientation, your socioeconomic status, your network, your whatever. We can look at all those different variables. They don't have the same options. And so they're doing the best that they know how to do with what yeah. they have, right? 
And yet those of us in the, and Tara, I'm speaking to you as a privileged person, right? I'm in the privileged camp in so many ways. So I'm also like speaking from that place of having recognized like, man, I've been blind to this and I didn't need to care. And that was part of what was so, so heartbreaking in my repentance process of coming out as a gay person. It didn't just stay there. Like there's so many things that were going on in our society. I didn't care about. I didn't pay attention to. I didn't need to. It didn't matter. And then having gone through what I went through, I'm like, oh my God, this is not care for those people. This is not compassion because they're those people to me. They're separate from my life. They're irrelevant, basically, right? I would never have said that because that's an asshole thing to say, but that was absolutely where I was coming from, right? That's how I felt. That's where my scope of reality and values were. I don't want to admit that. And I was, in, I'm, I was intelligent this whole way, right? So I could have argued my way out of and insulated myself in my conscience from being responsible for any of this. But at the end of the day, this boils down to compassion and mercy yeah. and empathy. And I don't mean like showing that, I mean actually experiencing it for these people, whoever they are in whatever context they're in that's different from my experience. Coming through this coming out process, I've gotten to recognize the ways that I had insulated myself from other people's struggles that didn't matter to me because it wasn't my experience. And then realizing I'm not the only person going through difficulty in this world in particular ways that are unjust. There are other people out there, maybe even in worse situations than me, not maybe, absolutely, in worse, states and statuses than I have that don't have the options that I have. And it's part of what motivated me to go public with this is like, because of yeah. those kids who don't have the things that I've had, I had so much privilege and benefit along the way in the midst of my struggle. What about all the other people who don't have those things and are still going through the same thing? Like, that's crazy to me, right? I have to do something I am compelled. So it's that awareness and acknowledgement that if I can actually recognize that their situation is actually not equal to mine, we're not just different choice people, yeah. we're in different classes we have different statuses in this culture in our culture because of different variables that neither of us had control over i'm not trying to make you feel guilty or ashamed of the privilege you have but having that privilege and knowing there are people in our culture who don't have it the justice and the nobility in us i expect because of how i've experienced it rises up to say this difference is unacceptable and i'm not okay with just living in a world where this is happening and i'm not responding to it I'm not yeah. doing the work to understand where they're coming from and figuring out how to take the privilege that I have and use it as a benefit to lift these people up. And I actually literally cannot do that if I don't understand what's going on, if I'm not willing to learn. But I see that as I'm getting to observe what's happening with you right now and how people are responding and treating you. But because I have relationship with you and value for you, not that someone else that came out last week is less valuable. I'm just like, I don't know them on a personal yeah. level. I think it has to happen here though, first for people to even be aware of that on some level. I mean, a lot of people who are not gay have become a allies, have become affirming of mm -hmm. the LGBTQ plus community because of somebody they knew, right? They had a friend, they had a family member, they had a their kid, whatever, right? There's so many stories of people who aren't identifying as an LGBTQ plus member, mm -hmm. but they are allies to that in, to that world and those people because someone they love is going through this and they realize how dehumanizing and unethical these people, the treatment of these people is, and it needs to change. Regardless of what you tout as a Christian and what you see in the Bible, it doesn't matter. That doesn't erase or change what's actually taking place in the world we live in. No verse justifies the treatment of these people and what's happening to them and the result that comes out of that treatment. On a large scale, you're saying. As opposed like, to a small one. Well, like there is a gentleman that has transitioned to a female that works at a certain store that I love to shop at because I'm aware of how all of that other feels. Like it's interesting to be around and to like see her stocking makeup and those sort of things, but then also see people's response. And so intentionally, like I've engaged them in conversation. I've asked questions to her. I like, because I'm like, I don't, I don't care who you think, like, I want you to feel seen and cared about regardless of what other divisional lines are there. I understand not all people do that, but I'm also not walking around thinking like you are so messed up. And I'm sure other people are, but it's sometimes hard for me to understand because like, I don't operate that way. I may not understand it all, but like, I'll be damned if I'm ever just gonna be like straight hateful and mean to people. And maybe it's the awareness of how other people are responding to her. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think there are two spaces here. There's the conscious behavior in a given moment in time. Mm -hmm. And then there's the underlying principles and values that you hold in your, not you and people, that we hold in our lives that enable and support 
systems that treat these people poorly. We are responsible for both. So you can act civil and whatever in a given conscious moment in an exchange with a trans person, but your values and beliefs about the trans community and being a transgender person, we're also accountable to that. You know what I mean? And so you can act polite to their face and hold values that are actually dehumanizing of them as a person without ever telling them. And that is harmful. Okay. Not that I disagree because it's someone that I don't have a relationship with. Like I said, like I'm not thinking all these horrible things about them either. Tara, I'm going to go on the limb and say you're not thinking much about them. Okay. Is that true? I know I want to protect them in that moment is how it feels because I feel like I can feel the stuff or I see how people respond. Right. Uh, In that moment when you're you're witnessing it, you have a a priority in how you want to engage. But then when you leave that moment, they're, they are now also irrelevant to your life and your experience and your thought process. I'm assuming, okay. right? Or no? Yeah. And not because I think that they're not important, just because. They're just not as important as other things that you have to deal with and face and, and work through in your life. Right? Should I'm just thinking I'm doing good to get my kids like bathed and food on the table. Right. And work done. Right. Not because I'm intentionally trying to be pushy people, but because I'm like, I'm doing good to have like two adult friends period in my life right now. I mean, no lie. Like my counselor was like, when's the last time you had a date with a friend? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how to do that. I'm learning. It's fine. I would have to go on a large journey to deconstruct this stuff that you're saying though, of like, what do I actually think about that? What do I actually think about them? Do I think that they're just confused or were they harmed? Were they like, what's the story behind all of that? Because I've honestly gotten a lot of shit for asking people's stories. So it doesn't feel safe to ask and engage a lot of the time with people. There's very few people that I feel like you can do that with and get a genuine response. And also someone that's willing to walk through that with you in a place of like, hey, I'm okay. Or them being okay that like, I don't have it all figured out right now. And that I'm not just shifting my opinion in a 24 hour period, just so that I can agree with them and make them feel better because that feels just as dishonest. You made a statement here that I'm like, you're like, so what you're saying, I'm going to have to do all, I'm going to have to go deeper and do all this work. And I'm like, my response to that is yes, yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. That is work that does need to be done. That I would say a lot of people in your position that you're representing in terms of how you think through this stuff, they're not doing it because they don't want to, because it's uncomfortable, because it's it takes work or effort, because it's scary, whatever the reason is, because they're offended and prejudiced against whatever the motivator, they're not doing the work. And it's crazy because like, I imagine the majority of the people sitting in your seat, if they were to actually look into this, and like give it the time and energy that it deserves because of how it impacts other living people today, they would change their mind. I was raised conservative. I grew up in a Republican world. That was my world. And then going through this process of realizing there are actual human beings being affected by my ignorance, by my lack of involvement became morally troublesome. I'm like, oh, I can't just ignore this. And it, it was work for sure. And I'm not done. I mean, I'm still just getting into the things that I'm learning about, right? We all have journeys to go on, but just to say that it's work, we're all we're gonna be somewhere, doesn't excuse us from the responsibility because we have the opportunity to learn. And so choosing not to learn is a willful choice. That is an agreement. Like, I will not learn about this. I will not care about these people. I will not be affected by it. That's a choice. And I'm saying God doesn't love that response. And it's a, and that's, forget my intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That's explicit yeah. in the gospels. God doesn't love that response. The Good Samaritan, it's like really hard for me to reconcile that parable with this world we live in, in this con- conversation we're having. A Jew heading from Jericho to Jerusalem or beaten up by robbers left for dead he's within inches of his life a priest and a levite see him these are his brothers they share heritage and they leave him alone probably because he deserved it probably because he got into some trouble and he made some bad choices right they had their justifications that allowed them to literally cross the street or whatever and leave him alone a samaritan a heathen raging liberal or whatever right in that context, walks up, sees the guy, goes down there, binds up his wounds, pours certain kind of expensive things on him, takes him to an inn, pays for his care and and says like, charge me on my tab for anything else you need to do to fully care for this person. Jesus is like, who is a neighbor to this person? And they're like, the one who showed mercy. And he's like, go and do likewise. And so in this conversation, Tara, when we have people saying, I would have to do work to learn this. And then knowing that and not doing the work to me is Mm -hmm 
crossing the street. Is that different when you don't know or have a direct relationship with someone? I don't think people are motivated in general to learn things outside of what they are just selfishly engaged in. I just think it's possibly taking someone that I value, that I have a long history with to be like, okay, I should probably figure this thing out because I have value for you. That sounds maybe really horrible. No, that's not horrible. I get it. I think it sounds human. No, at this point, you've got someone you know, you have a relationship with who's bringing this conversation closer mm-hmm. to your life than you know in other spaces or whatever yeah now you like now you have choices to make you get to d- like do the work or not and then decide based on what you do or don't choose there and then that you know inadvertently affects our relationship and that's mm-hmm. that's something i'm discovering as a gay person coming through this someone in your position witnessing this knowing me hearing my story whatever all the variables and then choosing not to change not to like recognize the validity of what's going on here is a choice and i'm not interested in vilifying people but i have had to embrace there's actual harm that comes from refusing to acknowledge the humanity in this conversation refusing to be affected by it refusing to engage from a humble place of realizing that you're not in this position you're not experiencing all the microaggressions and everything else that comes with being someone different in our culture that's not celebrated you don't know what that's like. And so for you to just, not you, p- people in your position, right? Deciding, yeah, I don't agree. And I don't have to agree. And it's, I'm going to move on with my life. I'm like, that's a choice. That's not love. That a friend doesn't act like that. Doesn't participate in that way. Go ahead. They don't have to agree that that's not right or being gay isn't right or being gay isn't okay. Like, what are you saying there? Because what I just heard was, hey, if you do the work, and you still aren't sure on that, then I get to cut you out like so-and-so did. I'm willing to be honest and that I value truth more than just holding on to something that I've just been told when I've researched it out for myself. No, I didn't say cut out. I mean, I said it would inadvertently affect our relationship. And that's not, I'm not saying that as a threat, right? An ultimatum. I'm not, that's, I don't want that. It sucks. I don't want to have to do that. It's, an intentional choice I have to make to disagree with my own, like with co-conspiring with my own diminishment, as a mentor of mine would say. Hmm. I used to enable that indifference and that apathy and that disregard and that devoid of compassion posture. I used to enable it. I used to give people permission for that. I have repented. That's not acceptable. A follower of Jesus is not excused for that kind of a response. Because you are neither hot nor cold, I want to spit you out of my mouth. It's that energy that's not appropriate. You are witnessing human lives being harmed by injustice, touted by religious elites. This is a crime against nature. This is not supposed to be happening, and it is not God. And I'm standing up and saying, this isn't God, right? I've been as honest and vulnerable as I know how to be to present that to a large group of people. Everyone gets to choose. So someone in your position, Tara, who chooses, okay, I'm listening here, I did the work. I don't agree. That's fine. I am going to make intentional choices to adjust our relationship. It doesn't mean you don't get to be in my life. It does mean though, that I'm going to engage here differently because I have to value myself. It's not punishment. It's regard for my value and my worth. It just feels like threatening. Like I just need to know that I'm free to navigate that. Yeah. I mean, you are. And basically what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you up front, like, Hey, mm. Tara, what I'm telling you up front is it's not a punishment. I'm telling you what I will have to do dispassionately about you it's not about you it's what i have to do to care for myself in the world we live in and the indoctrination people are running around with if you can't break that indoctrination you're allowed to keep it i'm not going to hold that against you i'm going to protect myself from the harm that comes from people who run around believing that kind of stuff to people like me i'm really shitty with analogies okay Give me an analogy. You want an analogy for the thing I was just describing? Yeah. Okay, let's do this. Tara, let's say you and Justin decide you want to get pregnant again. I know you probably don't want that, or maybe you do. I don't know. That's your second time, Mike. Like- I know. I'm, I, maybe I'm just trying to birth another child here. Let's say you guys decide we're going to get pregnant. Let's have another baby. And you discover that I fundamentally believe procreating at this point is unethical. It is wrong for you to have a child. God is not blessing any more children. Like... It is selfish with the amount of kids in the world and you're not a dot, right? Let's say I believe on such an aggressive level that procreating is actually so selfish. And what, right, let's say I believe that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we and I can't be friends. It doesn't mean we can't have a relationship, but I don't know that you would want me at the baby shower. Right? Or yeah, not? Yeah, that's great. That's a great analogy. I appreciate that. Okay. That makes sense. So it's not like a insecure, okay. lashing out, punishing thing. Okay. It's, that's incredibly, I'm going to use an expert here to get 
or a point across. Yeah. I, for someone to tell me, hey, I don't believe that you being gay is acceptable in the eyes of the Lord, but I love you and I support you anyway, that to me is incredibly fucked up. I'm going to say that nice and clear. Out of an emotional place, it shocks yeah. me how many Christians are getting away with that. I cannot believe it. It is unbelievable to me because they have no idea what it's like to be in this position receiving that love. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It is, that is insane. It's like an actual psychosis right now. I cannot believe how many people are running around getting away with thinking that that's somehow acceptable. It mm -hmm. blows my mind. So, and it's not about right or wrong. This is about human relationships. If I believe your child in your womb is an abomination, you wouldn't want me at the baby shower. You wouldn't want me to be their godchild, right? You would probably limit my exposure. going to be the photographer. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. And it's not because you hate me. It's not because you want to punish me. It's because we are incredibly incongruent with the things we love and value. We have a different perspective of what's beautiful here, right? And so you want people around your precious, vulnerable sure. space that are going to protect and value it according to your yeah. heart. That makes sense. So, yeah, so in our real-time space, Terry, you get to go on a journey. I had a very good friend of mine go on this journey with me, and they were supportive or whatever. And then, you know, like continued to avoid like having to like make a decision about any of this or whatever. And so a bunch of my people went on a journey with me. We did research, yeah. write books, talk, whatever. This person opted out of that whole process. And then literally a year later, I'm feeling such weird adjustments in our relationship without them actually acknowledging that they're not okay with this. And I, I'd been out to them for months by that point, over, over, sorry, over a year. We had lunch. I'm like, hey, it's been over a year and you're still not sure what you think about this. I literally cannot hear you say that to me and somehow think that there's a, a way that that's acceptable. You have not cared for me here. You are not paying attention to my life. You don't, you're not regarding what I'm going yeah. through. This is one of the most painful experiences of my experience of my life. And you're not sure what you think about it. And it's been a year. Yeah. And this is a close person to me. There's a, there's a, an accountability to that versus someone I don't even know, like whatever. That's a whole right. different conversation. This person knows me right? Like it was anyway. So our relationship is not the same now. Like mm -hmm. I've had to adjust out of the same spirit. I just described you with the baby yeah. shower situation and they're so hurt and offended and can't believe it. And I'm like, I cannot believe mm -hmm. the lack of ability to understand what's going on here. I can't, yeah. it's like, they can't do but it. That's some of the best verbiage that anyone in my position has probably heard because other people don't have a spiritual awareness or sometimes a skill set of how to communicate that well. And so a lot of times it does just feel like punishment for people on my side when it's like, I care about you, but I also have to be okay of like, I don't know right now. And also you being able to be okay with like, I don't have to know right now and being willing to let people work that thing out. Totally. I don't think a lot of people are, yeah. is the truth. Right. Um, well, I told you, I told you that scripture says this, this, and this, I mean, even on both sides. So why can't you just whatever? And it's like, whoa, like hold on until we are able to, I think, find those people in our life that may be in that situation or are in that situation or walk through that situation and say like, hey, I need a safe person. Not everyone has someone that's willing to do that on either side. To that, Tara, I want to say, it's probably a gift for you to have a relationship with someone like me to get to walk this out. Not everyone has that. I don't think that it removes the standard of responsibility for people to recognize what we're doing to gay people in the church. I think that it's on all of us. I think God actually expects us to take ownership for this and clean it up. And so many of us are so far from even being able to do that because of how negligent we are in this. I don't think you need a gay person to be accountable for what's happening here and to have your hand in it. I don't think that's true. I think everybody in the church is accountable to what we're doing to gay people, no matter whether you know someone or not. I can um, see that. Yeah. So I understand like having someone to walk through and I but think people aren't brave to do it. Yeah. Which is either. a, to me is a character issue. And we just don't have, we just are enabling the cowardice and the hiding in church because of, I mean, that's a whole other conversation, yeah. but that doesn't in the spirit, when you're standing before God, that doesn't excuse mm -hmm. anybody. Or that's can me. I, can I do that? Um, can I have the questions and go on the journey? And I'm a pretty blunt, honest person. You know that. Right. But there's a lot of other people that I'm like, I don't know what it's going to take for people to actually accept situations like this to be like, oh, shit. Yeah. One more here. Maybe this, I think, also can be helpful as an analogy. There's a parable in the Gospels where Jesus is sharing a story um, of this wealthy man throwing a, a feast or whatever and someone's like I just got married I just my father just died I just have this job I need to do they all give excuses as to why they can't come and so the messenger comes back to the master and says they can't come and he's like what he's like shocked and upset and the party is still so like low on the tendons so he's like 
go to the highways and byways, find people just in the gutter and in the streets or whatever, and bring those people to my banquet. And those people came, right? And to me, I never saw this until I came out as a gay person. There's a period of time mm -hmm. where there's an appropriate window to respond. And then not responding is a response. And when that window of time passes, the dynamic changes, the stakes have changed. And so my friends sat there thinking they could just be indifferent about this for the rest of their lives. And then I showed up, I'm like, yeah, that's actually 100% unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So we obviously don't see eye to eye there, but this parable demonstrates these people were given an invitation. There was a time, there was a window here. My life is happening. My life matters. My yeah. experience and the results of people's choices and how they affect me relationally are valid. And so you just sitting there treating this like a, an elective in your life that you may or may not ever actually yeah. learn is incredibly dismissive, not how a friend treats a friend. And they don't get that, which is so heartbreaking and also really revealing. And so that has ult ultimately altered our relationship. I've yeah. had to adjust who this person is in my mind. I'm like, whoa, this is a character issue right and that's not just that it's not just one person this happened a few times i'm just like shocked yeah. and it's starting to happen now with some dms with people who actually know me i'm shocked and my tolerance level is dropping on how much of these excuses are coming up to justify this behavior and this very poor attitude i'm like nope it's actually not acceptable at this point like you don't get to continue to delay that window of response time you have delayed you have tarried and the lord is not leaving that indefinitely open these people's lives matter if there's no punishment there's no threat but the people who are being affected by it, we got to care for them. Your indifference is hurtful. Your silence, your disinterest, your disregard, your apathy, your bad theology, those things are actually working against the vulnerable and the marginalized in our society. And Jesus had a different response to them. Something is fundamentally wrong with what you're doing. Um, there is a window there, right? So Tara, I'm not saying there's a ticking time bomb over no. your head. I'm saying there's a window of invitation for you. And you get to decide, and this might end up being not a priority to you. And that's a choice you make. And then I get to respond to the choice you made sure. in the invitation that was offered, right? And that's true for a lot of people right now at this point. I don't think people in your position understand that because you don't have to. You're not the one living out here exposed. I wake up every day and I'm still out. I'm still gay, right? That doesn't go away. That, that was something you watched on the internet one time, right? Like it's not something you have to face or deal with on a regular I watched basis. the whole hour. I was the first one to click the button. I also think in these conversations, I want to advocate for and represent mm -hmm. people in this position who don't have a platform, who don't have the whatever to be able to communicate this very real experience that is valid and that God is protecting. Like you do not get to treat people this way. So what does then affirming look like to you? In other things in our life, I'm like, I don't know what that means. Can you give me an example? I'm kind of asking for an example. Like okay, what does so that look like? Or what do you feel like um, people in that community need? Yeah, what does that look like? Sure. So I think proximity is going to be a factor, right? Affirming from afar versus someone who knows. So like in our context, I don't, okay, it's kind of weird. I don't want to tell you what to do, right? So I'm not interested in- For sure. For, but you also know that I'm not going to do something that I'm like, I'm not okay with that. In the pregnancy analogy, right? Like if I'm talking about you being pregnant and whatever, for me to be, <laughs> baby, 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 baby. For you to be pregnant and for me to be affirming of your pregnancy and you as a mother and this new baby in your life and the family, I'm showing up to the, the baby shower. I'm bringing a gift. I'm excited. I'm like filling out the survey for the name and the weight and the height. And I'm like, so I'm showing up to see the baby when they're born, right? I'm like checking in on you. I'm like bringing food when you need the meal training. Like I'm showing up. That to me is I am affirming your baby and this process. And it's not just me doing the tasks. It's my heart and my attitude is I'm excited. I'm celebratory. I've actually emotionally connected to this experience in your life, even though I'm not the one pregnant, I'm not getting a new baby. I've touched like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. What an, what an alteration to your experience that is so beautiful and something I, I must celebrate. And it compels me to express that celebration. Okay. Like, that to me would be affirming. Yeah. But then if someone's gay, then I'm like showing up to the coming out party. I'm sending them, I'm acknowledging that this happened. I'm celebrating and affirming and breaking the silence on this and saying, I see you. I know what you've had to go through. So this is different than pregnancy in terms of like struggle and you know, cultural opposition. I know how difficult this was. I understand this, the price you're paying. I want to say that I see you. I love that you're gay. I love that you've chosen this. I love that you finally get to accept yourself for who you are. I love what you shared. Thank you for doing this. I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm a supporter. I'm you know, whatever. I'm going to be expressing those things. That's what affirming would sound and look like. And a lot of people have brought that to. So you can tell when someone's affirming versus they're trying to get away with coming across supportive but don't actually believe in this. Mm -hmm. You can tell. And I've got some good friends of mine who yeah. are playing this game and we're going to get to have some conversations versus someone who's affirming. It's very different. Just throw me in the middle. It's fine. 
<laughs> someone who's affirming versus someone who's like because I could feel I could feel this thing in me that I'm like and I would even see other people like oh I love you so much or I love you even more now and I'm like I I care about you I mean I told you this though like I care about you but like struggle bus hello like right. you know and, so, and I would yeah, rather so, be real and authentic yeah, and that's an honest response to a conscious moment in time. Yeah. And so if you actually care about me, which I believe you do, right? And yeah. then the result of this care you have for me, this actual regard for my life is then responding to what I'm presenting and then doing the work of figuring out, can I get on board with this or not? And if I can't, then I need to make some choices, right? But whatever, yeah. and be honest with someone like me in my position who's choosing to be willfully vulnerable here and then meet me in that vulnerability with a matched respect. I do agree. I don't agree. Whatever. I don't know. I'm working through this. Help me. Whatever. So Tara, I would say you're responding as I would absolutely expect and hope that you would, which is why I'm willing to engage with you here. Right. There are other people who are doing the other things. And I'm like, eh, I don't know how much of this I'm going to be willing to put up with. And like, it was the voice messages. <laughs> it was the drama. Of it all. No, I mean, yeah, I'm not expecting people to just be affirming right away. I get, I mean, I wasn't affirming right away. Right. Like it took me. I'm just getting over shock. Right. Totally. <laughs> Like, it's like, I can get to that conversation, like, give me a week and you can send me some book lists. But yeah, it's been just the like, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I, I look forward to the day where this isn't shocking for people. They may not be affirming or whatever, but they at least like when they see the, an actual person they know going through this, they at least have enough awareness to realize like, man, this was hard. How can I come and meet you where you are mm -hmm. before I'm addressing my experience? You know? Yeah. Um, and that to me is like, oh, we've got a lot of work to do in terms of our own like ability to empathize with our neighbor and understand their experience, even if it's foreign from ours. Yeah. How do we approach people like that, right? Uh, I'm not saying that to you, I'm saying this like to people in this whole conversation. I've had several people who like are honestly wrestling through this and their approach to me is about them. And I'm like, damn, I'm not opposed to that. I think that's great that you're gonna work through that, but I'm also still a person while this is happening. This happened and you've not acknowledged it. I had a conversation with a friend last night who came to defend a comment I shared on my story of someone saying that I was possessed by demons my whole life or whatever. Um, and they're like, I can't believe you're posting this and whatever. And I'm like, I can't believe this is the first thing I'm hearing from you on this. And they backpedaled they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm, you're right. And I was like, yeah, I, I don't know that I can talk to you about this right now. I'm just mostly angry and disappointed that this is how this has played out. I need some space. Let's clean this up later. Uh, yeah. I can't, but, and it's not just that person. That's, you know, there's some people who haven't said a word to me, right? Anyway, I'm just like, that to me is unacceptable on a human level. Forget the theology. Forget what you believe about gay people. That's secondary. That is not human to behave that way when someone has exposed themselves like that in their life to their culture. That's so inhuman in my mind. I don't understand how this has become acceptable it blows my mind but that's because of the journey i've been on and there's so many people who don't get that i'm like that's a problem we should have developed up enough and connected to each other enough and care for each other enough that we are not so insulated from someone else's experience that that comes out like that's crazy yeah. I, I thought and then backspaced it i was like <laughs> and i was like I don't know, maybe well i typed um not not in the thing of like I understand this is not about me. So in case I haven't communicated that to you, like, I understand this isn't about Oh, me. yeah, no, I think you have, yeah. Did I? Yeah, I think you did. I mean, right. there was a lot of messages, right? And I understood you were going through it. But you did acknowledge a couple of times, like, you know, you're, you're sympathizing this is going on, but, you know, here's what's coming up. And I get that that's how you process and we have a relationship for that. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted you to know that. I just wanted to, <laughs> like, I just want to make sure that was really clear that I'm like, oh, oh. And I just want to throw it to, like, I'm not saying that because someone who's vulnerable coming out like this is a victim that you have to treat and coddle with like- Absolutely. I'm not saying that, I don't feel that way. Yeah. What I'm advocating for here is there is a regard, there should be a regard for someone going through the struggle and persecution of our culture for something like this. Even if you don't agree, mm -hmm. there should be a regard for the fact that they're bleeding and limping. And you yeah. don't just start coming at them with arguments when they're limping yeah. up a hill, right? Like a human being would like first acknowledge the state of the person. And so I just want to come in here and say, like, we do that in all kinds of other contexts. This is not unique or different. This is not an exception. If someone comes out, that is no small feat at this point in time, for the most part, depending on the context. But for the most part, people coming out as a gay person have had to go through some pretty rough stuff to get there. Yeah. And have had some pretty bad experiences, I'm sure. And so the appropriate response to someone doing that is 
acknowledging the limp and like embracing them and learning how to like care for and regard to regard and address the state of the person. And then once we're good and we know they're okay, then the conversation can progress, right? Like that's normal. We do, if someone's wounded, like physically, that's how we would respond. This is the same. We just don't get it because we're removed. We can't see that, right? So I'm trying to give just, like language. Yeah. I just but, didn't know your leg had been, you know, cut off. Like, it's yeah. like if your leg got cut off two years ago and then like, you're like, hey, look at this prosthetic. And I'd be like, what the hell, Mike? I didn't even know that happened. <laughs> you never told, you know. Yeah. And so I think that that's where a lot of that, like, okay, you should probably tell me how your leg got caught up, cut off, you know? Yeah, so. totally. Okay. Cool. Okay, Tara, this conversation's gotten long, um, which, you know, I'm glad we did it. Check in, how are you feeling? I know we probably didn't cover everything you had in your notes, right? Of course, you know, I'm like. <sighs> yeah, so why don't we feel it out and maybe we do this again sometime? Chime in, just keep having a dialogue and maybe this can become like a, a conversation we're having ongoing. Uh -huh. I mean, welcome to the conversation. Thanks for engaging. I appreciate, like, oh, I think I said this at the beginning, but like, I just want to again, acknowledge and celebrate. Thank you for engaging. I appreciate that. And there's a, a validation and respect that I received from that. And I appreciate your willingness to get in here in the state that you're in with the spaces that you've understood. Like, thanks for showing up and trusting me and, and doing this. I appreciate this. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks. So, um, or uh, your sister gonna send me like this whole list of things, or am I gonna go into my Numa Plus subscription? Probably both. I'll I'll text you a link after this. Just there's a resource page on my website. Love y'all. Um, let Bye. me know when you're pregnant again. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to see how deep this rabbit hole goes, check out MikeMyashiro.com.